Okay, wow, every time it's a struggle. Um, let me just, there I am. Okay, today I'm absolutely alone. So I was ready to record this offline because um, I was struggling with the past word as usual. Anyway, here we are. Um, uh, usual disclaimer, excuse me. I did all my prayers offline uh, in order to save time. I have a second disclaimer this week, this month, and that's that um, I haven't been feeling very well in the past two weeks. I've had some pain and discomfort in my bowels that would keep me awake. So this is the first day that I'm uh, that I slept enough time, and that I I'm like functional so I, I try my best now on account of that i haven't quite been able to prepare this lesson as um i would have liked so uh, we're all counting on uh, well not much the power of my prayer because what power do i have but the grace that that those prayers um invoke hopefully so today we're going to learn everything about python and uh, if you were looking to learn something about computer, <laughs> that's not that Python. It's the, the, yeah, the, the, the snake, the Python. Uh, this is a series on um, the seventh and eighth. Th this is, in fact, the first uh, verse of uh, chapter eight. In the 11th canto of uh, the Srimad Bhagavatam, where um, 24, 24 gurus are described uh, by Anavadhuta to Maharaj um, Yadu in a, in a way to explain how guru is everywhere. There's many more. There's infinite gurus because there is, well, because guru is everywhere. The teaching is everywhere. The mercy is everywhere. And... Um, and devotion to God is everywhere, which is what the Guru represents, and because God is everywhere. So, um, now, uh, today we're talking about the Python, and um, I tried to do some, you know, fancy or funny research like I did with the pigeon, but I couldn't find much. Uh, Python <laughs> turns out they're quite boring. Um, they're very inert. Uh, people think that snakes are, man, we've got such experiences here with snakes, maybe once in a while, not too many, maybe once a year, but, you know, because of um, cartoons or movies, people think that snakes are like coming, waiting to come at you. And there is one type of snake here called Fleur de Lance, which means, well, it's French. Fleur de Lance means... Um, spearhead because of the shape of its head and they're particularly vicious they'll just attack you because they're angry but most of them are really really inert and uh almost oblivious oblivious to what's around them and um so not much to say about the python itself what i am gonna do except i didn't prepare it because of the reasons i told you is uh, just to go ahead and read the verses and then we can see how a python can be 
our guru uh, with its uh, behavior and uh, what is it trying to, to teach us. So, like I said, Srimad Bhagavatam, 11th canto, first verse of chapter 8. The saintly Brahmana said, O king, the embodied living entity automatically experiences <clears throat> excuse me, unhappiness in heaven or hell. Similarly, happiness will also be experienced even without one seeking it. Therefore, a person of intelligent discrimination does not make any endeavor to obtain such material happiness. 6.2. Following the example of the python, one should give up material endeavors and accept for one's maintenance food that comes of its own accord. Whether such food be delicious or tasteless, ample or meager. 3. If at any time food does not come, then a saintly person should fast for many days without making endeavor. He should understand that by God's arrangement, he must fast. Thus, following the example of the python, he should remain peaceful and patient. Um, the next one about the python too. Four, uh, a saintly person should remain peaceful and materially inactive maintaining his body without much endeavor, even though possessed of full sensual, mental, and physical strength, a saintly person should not become active for material gain, but rather should always remain alert to his actual self-interest. Now, first thing that strikes me is how it says a saintly person. Well, anybody's called to do that. Uh, and in the to the extent that they do it, then they're saintly persons. They're on the path of, um, you know, paramahansahood, <laughs> because because we're all called to become uttamadhikaris and paramahansas. That's why we're treading the the paths of uh, the paramahansas. So it's not that this is only for saintly people. Like I usually say spiritual life is life there's no other life everything else is just a sham a scam so whatever is said about transcendence and spiritual or saintly in this case is just the way to be so let's see if i can uh, eviscerate all this and elaborate on it with the little energies i have um and knowledge and qualifications now one thing about the python per se um the idea is the same. It's um, something that people, okay, the first idea I had, the first thought I had when I saw uh, this example of the python and what it represents, I was like, why a python? Why not a mussel or any, any um, sea mollusk? The idea is that a python doesn't hunt. They just stay there. And if a prey comes their way, they just eat it. Otherwise, they just fast, apparently. Um, but, you know, any sea mussel, any sea uh, mollusk, they really just open their, what are they called, valves? And, and they filter the seawater, whatever nutrients come in their mouth uh, apparatus is what they eat. They definitely don't move around. Plants are just as passive. So, but anyway, um, maybe there is some aspect I'm missing, but that's the idea of the python, just 
If, no, if no, nothing comes my way, I'll just fast. Um, and also, India is um, surprisingly, because it's got a huge coastline, if you think about it, it's not a very maritime culture. Uh, we know that the Vedic civilization, I don't know about Vedic, but at least Indian, uh, extended all the way to Thailand. And uh, there were sailors and traders going all the way into Egypt, um, you know, to the end of the Red Sea and trading in the Roman with the Roman Empire. And, um, and I'm sure they were fishing, but you can see that all the examples in, the, in our scriptures and in, um, in the, um, the Bhagavatam, they're all very agrarian, very <laughs> cow-based more than fish-based. Uh, so I guess an Indian is much more, uh, compared to the land mass of India, even if the coastline is huge, Indians are probably more familiar with pythons, just sitting in the tall grass. Because even if, even if they were to fish sea mollusks and eat them, they don't necessarily know that when they're in the water, uh, they, they eat by filtering the seawater. So I guess the python is the choice of uh, a passive animal. Um, and like I said, the teaching all around, uh, all throughout is the same, that Sri Guru is in your face. <laughs> it's like, it's like in front of you, like the sun, like, you know, the point I always make, like the sun, like the moon, like the earth, you cannot avoid it if you know how to see it. Um, Sometimes we pray a lot for mercy, but uh, the real mercy is the capacity to see the mercy because, you know, you could be flooded by mercy, but be totally blind and deaf to it. So that is the real act of mercy when you're given or when you develop the, the eyes, you see, my God, there's mercy all around. Um, So uh, the Python, Python is passive. So that's pretty much the teaching I get from, um, I mean, the, the tone of the Bhagavatam is the usual dry, uh, staunch tone that we've seen in all these verses, like oh, control the senses and just don't, don't desire, don't this and that, it's like, Arr. and again, like I think I ended last time, it's a message of love. It's a message of uh, hope, not of uh, restraint. Um, it, it reminds me many times of um, Juan, who, if you know Madhuvan, if you have been to Madhuvan, you know who Juan is. He, uh, well, he was born in this land when uh, it was a little village where, you know, where we have our batteries, that was his aunt's house. And then they all moved downhill because this place is um, intense. It's remote and, and um, it's, uh, it's intense to live in. So he knew this land. And uh, when we acquired it, he kind of um, made a deal with us, left the police force to work with us as a, uh, well, in English you say peon, which sounds like mm, derogatory or, or discriminatory. Once they said that in a, in a YouTube comment, he was like a peon. Who do you think you are? Peon. Peon is uh, 
farm hands is like a handyman in the farm. And that's exactly what, um, what Juan was doing. So um, we tried to introduce to him the concept of organic gardening and agriculture because, um, you know, as much as he, he was in his 50s and his father also always worked the land, Costa Rica is heavily, heavily influenced by what they call the green revolution and the advent of pesticides and herbicides. And Costa Rica is the country that uses the most pesticides in the world compared to the size of the country. I mean, clearly China and the US must be using millions of gallons, but Costa Rica proportionately uses the most because you know 5% of the biodiversity of the whole planet is here. So they're making sure they destroy all of it <laughs> with their poor agricultural choices. Anyway, um, here we came with our Western American consumeristic mentality and different knowledge. And we tried to tell them that we don't want to spray the pastures, we don't want to spray the rice field, trying to keep it natural. And in more than one occasion, he would come and say, oh, such and such plague is uh, decimated, uh, decimating the rice field, and uh, but you guys don't want to use anything. Many times it was like, it's not that we don't want to use anything. We don't want to use chemical pesticides. Now, we're always so understaffed and uh, unorganized that we, for all intents and purposes, we weren't using anything because, you know, to make compost tea and all those foliar sprays and stuff and techniques, the truth is that we're not um, agriculturists. How do you say it? Agriculturalists? Whatever. We're not farmers. We just transplanted in here and improvised everything, plumbers, farmers, you know, and all sort of things. But anyway, that is the, the point. Another example that my Guru Deva Shula Bhaktivedanta Tripurari Swami um, is fond of um, quoting is that of one of his disciples who once went home and opened the fridge. Two, two examples. I don't know. I, I still cannot remember if it's the same ex uh, disciple in two occasions or two different people. But one of them went home, opened the fridge, and closed it right away because there was nothing to eat because he's a vegetarian and the, the fridge was full of meat. And the father said, you're not eating anything? And he said, there was nothing to eat. The father was like, the fridge is packed. And then in another occasion, or, or another disciple, went home, opened the fridge, started to make a very lush sandwich with mustard, avocado, cheese, tomatoes, lettuce, and whatnot, sprouts. And the father said, aren't you going to put anything in it? Because, you know, until you put the cold cuts, until you put the meat, you, you, may, you may as well be eating nothing. So it goes to show how reality is what you make of it. Reality, they say beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. The whole world is in the eye. You know, not to you know, veer off again um, to uh, quantum physics, but why not? Actually, let's do it because <laughs> it's very helpful. You all know about this example that, uh, not example, experiment that was done in, in the 1800s, believe it or not. I, I don't know how they could possibly observe an electron in the 1800s, late 1800s. But um, if you've been following or if you're interested in quantum physics, 
uh, you all know that they uh, ran this experiment and then the electron was behaving like a particle, so like an electron, like a, like a photon, sometimes and some other times like a wave of energy. And then they realized that the observer in the experiment, the moment you look at the electron, it freezes into a particle of matter. Just until you look at it, it becomes a wave of potentiality, just pure energy. It could be anything, it could be anywhere. So that's pretty much what we do with the world. We apply our consciousness that may be tinged by many things. You know, you may have heard about levels of consciousness. And that creates the world, but reality, in a sense, is all one. It's like TV um, channels. Based on what channel you tune on, whatever, you know, now TV sets don't have a dial, you just press a button, but it corresponds with the frequency. So one moment you'd be watching a what Western movie, and at the same time, a comedy is going on, a documentary is going on, the news are going on, the commercials are going on, on different channels, different frequencies, and then you may switch from one channel to the other and realize, huh, this was going on at the same time. What changed? Your attention changed. The, the scoping power of you as a unit of uh, consciousness through the eyes, incidentally, is uh, what made you aware of... Um, not of a reality, of a shade of reality, as opposed to another one. So, um, passiveness. What was I talking about? Juan? So, yeah, the message of the Bhagavatam, it sounds like, you know, don't do this, don't do that. And, and so if you are on an empty stomach in terms of... Um, devotional understanding and practice and experience, you're like, well, what am I left to do? Fast until food comes my way? It's totally uh, diametrically opposed to the material worldview and way of uh, approaching it. Because if you're identified with the body, then all of a sudden you perceive a difference between me and God me and the rest of the world. Me, you know, the body is made of uh, limited beliefs. They get condensed more and more and more until they take this very physical, thick um, expression that we call physical body. But it's all due to uh, limiting beliefs, really, uh, which could be another um, description of karma, if you want. A baby is said, I don't remember the studies, but uh, you may know that babies cannot really distinguish um, shapes and they, they cannot make sense of the world when they first come, you know, to, to life. They, um, they say because of the complexity of the brain, a human being is really formed when they're seven compared to a deer or a giraffe or a horse, that the moment they come out, they, they're ready to run because otherwise they die. Uh, a human baby is, uh, has got so much to, to, to fine-tune still, the brain, the body, that they cannot quite make sense of the world. 
And so where, that's where the conditioning starts. Say mama, say daddy, uh, whatever, food. Is this good? Is this bad? <laughs> the whole barrage of, uh, you know, directions and indications of uh, what the world is, what you are, what you're doing, what you cannot do, what you are, what you're not, and blah, 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 blah limiting beliefs all throughout that we just take for granted because it, it, that's the way it is. It's not any other way. And the Bhagavatam is there at every verse to shatter this again and again and again. Uh, to tell you that we are consciousness, the most elusive reality, substance, thing, cannot even describe it, but, it, but which is what you are. So you can only find it inside and experience it uh, yourself. Nobody else can do it for you. So, um, Python is passive. No, yeah, the, the language of the, of the Bhagavatam. Keep in mind, it says it quite clearly, actually, no matter how inexpertly somebody can react and, and, and find it like a very harsh language, like, oh my God, I should just not act? Let's look at the key words again. Uh, Saintly Brahmana said, the embodied living entity, so already it's embodied and so covered in conditioning, automatically experiences unhappiness in heaven or hell. So happiness and unhappiness already come by inertia. And um, person of intelligent discrimination does not make an endeavor to obtain such material happiness. To obtain any more, because I was saying, by the way, let me finish that point. The moment you are a conditioned soul and you're identified with the body, the body is what it is. Uh, you know, I have a little body myself, five foot seven and only two arms and, uh, and um, whatever the limitation, like, you know, if I'm trying to reach for my water bottle, I might as well uh, die of thirst unless, you know, I, I move through matter and, you know, that's through time and space and grab my water bottle, et cetera, et cetera. But um, so the body is finished. Uh, the experience of the body is finished. And um, if you perceive yourself as finished, then your concern is to uh, finished and decaying because you can see that, you know, death, death is all around you. So your uh, consuming concern in life is how to uh, how to acquire more of what i think i am you know more food protein that will keep my body in existence and keep it make it grow um, uh, some things give me joy how can i get more things that give me joy things 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 and um all the while slowing down the decay. So limited beliefs, limited body, finished, you know, casing that we are trapped in. We perceive that. So we try to constantly acquire more and more stuff and uh, try to not lose stuff. So for all intents and purposes, artanivrutti and anartapravrutti and anartanivrutti. I was just thinking about that a few minutes ago. 
in the little time I had to prepare this lesson, I was like, huh, <laughs> you would have never get, you would have never expected to hear these words in this sense. It's all it means. Arta pravritti means acquisition of what's favorable, um, of, of what is of value. And arta nivritti means uh, relinquishing what is not of value. Obviously, if you're talking about, about bhakti, it means bhakti and arta nivritti and bhakti arta pravritti. But in and of itself, you know, it's, um, it, it's worth knowing a little Sanskrit to, to really know what is it you're talking about. But yeah, acquisition of uh, more, more, more objects based on this uh, perverted um, concept of who you are, which is not who you are at all. So um, fasting, um, uh, what's the verb I'm looking for? Ah, abstaining from action and all these things, then the conditioned soul is left to think, well, what am I going to do? Really just sit in the tall grass like a snake? And Prabhupada makes the, not Prabhupada, because, uh, yes, Prabhupada in the, in the Bhagavad Gita, 418, which is connected with this verse. Let's look at it. Um, Bhagavad Gita. This is the the favorite verse of uh, Guru Kulis because it's you know one who sees an action in an action, an action in an action. <laughs> I'll say slowly, one who sees inaction in action and action in inaction is intelligent among men, and he is in the transcendental position although engaged in all sorts of uh, activities. So in the purport, uh, Prabhupada kind of criticizes the, the impersonalist who's like, uh, well, then I won't act. I won't do anything at all because, uh, you know, karmic entanglement. All I, all I want to do is get disentangled and um, get uh, over with this whole material uh, mess. But um, no, obviously there is a way to, to act that is... Um, well, uh, okay. What do I mean by that? Passive. To understand passive, well, you need to understand what's active, action, who the doer is. Plenty of verses in the Gita about who the doer is. And um, so if you're identified with the uh, the material body and therefore the whole of material existence, then yeah, you might as well not act. You might as well desist from any action because it's all foam. It's all the the surface of foam. That really that that's really what the material experience amounts to. Say <laughs> a cappuccino, a decaf cappuccino. Material life is the thin layer of uh, cocoa powder on the foam of what is what you're trying to drink, which is coffee and milk and lots of sugar. And, and spiritual life would be the, the coffee and milk. So, obviously, if you don't know who you are, 
if you're in a total haze as to who you even are, how can you, if you're not clear on the I am, how can you work on the I do, I think, I say, uh, I want, what do you want? You don't even know who you are. Want based on what? You know, going back to the point of Artha Pravritti, acquire what for the benefit of what? It's all going to end up in, in disappointment. So in that sense, this verse says, try not to acquire any more happiness and distress. Clearly, nobody's trying to acquire distress, but don't even focus on future ones. Well, let's say avoid distress. Don't focus on acquiring more sources of joy in the shape of a car, of a wife, of a husband, of a job. And at the same time, stop trying to avoid whatever, being fired, divorcing, or, or losing your house, or whatever the case. Because there is already so much coming to you from the karmic baggage that you have you know, to the extent that you uh, identify with the body, because again, it's all limited beliefs. If you think, oh, I cannot do this because I was born uh, a woman, because of my nationality, because of my race, because I'm missing a foot, because, uh, oh, no, oh, I cannot do, well, that's you limiting yourself. Says who? You know, if you're truly convinced that your consciousness uh, like I always say, the potential of consciousness is infinite. You just need to realize it. It takes a while, but um, it doesn't have to. It all depends on how willing you are to let go of this crusty, crusty, hard shell of limiting beliefs in the, in the form of your karma, the form of your body, which is, again, a, an expression of your karma. But you don't have to. At any point, you could uh, get free, except we don't know how to, like the common person. They just don't know. It's, uh, I was just reflecting on the fact that um, numbers, you know, the Greeks, the Sumerians, etc., when they um, came uh, um, up with numbers and uh, mathematics, it was all to count the the heads of she uh, of um, yeah sheep cattle soldiers taxes revenues etc. So it was all about arithmetics and uh, rational numbers because their experience is based on this material ego, this uh, bodily based. Um, worldview that I was talking about. Similarly, in grammar, you know, your first immediate rea um, not reaction, perception is of yourself. So uh, in uh, the conjugation of a verb, you're like, I am the very first thing that you're con the very first thing. What we're mostly concerned about is ourselves. And then maybe there is the rest of the world, but we see it in function of ourselves how we can exploit it, how we can enjoy it, how we can destroy it, how we can avoid it. Me, 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 me. So it goes in many languages. I am 
and then you are finally you acknowledge the presence of something other than you and then that you know he she it that in sanskrit is that then of course the plural we you they same concept but in sanskrit verbs are identified by the third person say to go gachati gachati means does not mean to go it means he goes he she it goes gachati because it it, it, it kind of shows how the root mm, turns into a conjugated verb and once you know that it's gachati then you can uh, surmise that it's i don't remember gachami gachasi gachati etc but it's interesting to see how in Sanskrit grammar, it's all about the tat. It's all about the third per First, you acknowledge the, the, that reality, you know. The Vedas are all about tat, om tat sat, um, tat famasi, and tat everywhere. Even in the Gita, there is like so many verbs, tat, tat, tat. That reality, that thing, you got to focus on that thing. Forget you, in the, to the same to the extent that you focus on that reality, you'd be better off. And I'll try to explain this in the remaining 20 minutes. And, uh, and so going back to mathematics, you have to go to Vedic mathematics to find the concept of nothing and of infinite. That's not something that comes um, by watching your sheep, your soldiers, you know, counting the sacks of wheat. Who thinks of nothing? Who thinks of counting nothing? Who thinks of, uh, um, what did I say? Uh, of the infinite, infinite, what? I mean, for us, obviously, we're like millennia after we've been exposed to the concept, but say a kid who doesn't go to school, would, would they develop into an adult that would ever think of nothingness and infinite? Well, leave it to Vedic uh, mathematics, because again, it trickles down. It's a knowledge, a reality that trickles down. Well, trickles down or have, has us look up to that reality. And then you can apply it to mathematics, to grammar, to whatever. But it's really interesting to see how the verb starts with the third, doesn't really start. I mean, I think they conjugate I, you, they. But it's interesting to see that the verb the third person is taken as a reference. I, you, they, I, you, he. And, um, and then infinite and, uh, and zero. Zero is what nothing is, by the way. So, um, what was I talking about? Uh, Python is passive. That we've ascertained. Um, so we were talking about the Gita action. Okay, so action in an action. Who does what? You don't even know who you are. How can you do something to 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 what to whose benefit? How can you want something? You don't even know who you are, where you, where you are, where you're going. Um. So. This um, exhortation to passiveness is precisely that. Stop moving around. Stop trying to acquire. Just sit there and 
Well, basically, the message of these four verses is let go and let God. You know, uh, the whole point of meditation, if we switch to Ashtanga Yoga for, for a moment, it's very uh, gradual. You don't just sit and meditate, although many people advocate that now. can be done, but the yoga school and method says, first, yama niyama. You can eat that, you cannot eat that. You can do this, you cannot do, do that. For very practical reasons. How can you sit in meditation if, you ha if you're full of gas? How can you sit in meditation if you're full of uh, arthritis? So have a decent diet, have proper sleep, have proper habits, control your senses, kind of like shape up, uh, get a grip. How's it go? Yama niyama, asana. Asana, again, stretch your body, make it comfortable so that you can sit and not move. Because every muscle, voluntary muscles, I mean, the, 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 uh, the heart, the, the, the lungs, you cannot control. Well, you can control the lungs to some extent. And you can see how in pranayama, breath retention is much more important than breathing, which is the whole point of passiveness as opposed to acting. Oh, I've got to breathe. I've got to acquire oxygen. We'll go there if I don't run out of time again. But, um, so, passiveness, breathing, geez, um, yoga, so, uh, asanas, make your body comfortable so you can sit and not move a muscle. And if you have an experience with meditation, after a while you're like, where are my fingers? I don't feel my arms anymore. Am I still in Yana Mudra? Then you don't feel your whole body. Conversely, any movement that you do is, um, implies electricity. It, it requires electricity from the brain to the muscles. And it's like white noise. It's, it's an interference. It brings you down to the physical material, material physical reality. You want to and, and yeah, I am that stupid that I'm like in meditation and I'm like, and, I, and I'm still in Yana Mudra and I, and I tap the tips of my finger and then I go back to them. Because <laughs> it's important that I know that I have a material body, which not at all, but, you know, such is the, the conditioning and, and, and the, the human nature, the nature of the mind. But if you're better than me, then you just let go of the physical experience and you, and you notice that you're still existing. You're thinking. And boy, are you thinking, uh, have I, I need to do laundry. Did I pay that bill? Why did she say that? How could, you know, whatever. Uh, and so you, you got to still your mind. So yama niyama asana, uh, pratyahara, withdraw the senses from the sense objects. So any birds may be chirping, you know, whatever. Like punctually, on my bed, there are some ants, teeny tiny, one millimeter ants that bite. Some are red, some are black. They all bite. The red ones, they don't bite you. They're urticating. They're covered in some urticating uh, hairs on their abdomen. So even if they're dead, if you sit on them, they sting like a micro jellyfish. Like I said, it's intense to live here. Um, but you're sitting in meditation and then trying to meditate. And you need to master pratyahara. Otherwise, you're like me. The, the ants bother you. The, the the birds and everything, the, the door. Um, and then you finally sit in meditation and you still the mind. You do concentration, first of all, 
on one thing and then you meditate. I heard it described as concentration is, uh, well, when there were films made of uh, celluloid, concentration is like focusing on a photogram and meditation is when the photogram starts flowing and it becomes the movie, it, it, it moves on. But you move at this safe level that I was trying to talk about where creativity is unleashed. You're much more close to your divine nature. I only recently saw the simile, the, the, the parallel, not the parallel, the, what would you call it? The relationship between creativity and creation. Because, you know, it's very easy to say, oh, there's nothing new under the sun. All these artists, whatever they're creating, uh, it's all, it was created before. They just manifested it. Well, well, no. <laughs> the ingredients of matter are always the same. But don't downplay the divine spark that you are. Not that it's in you, that you are. We are divine. We are um you know, that makes some people uh, kind of tense up, whether they are from a, uh, I don't know, Catholic or Western background, or even, even some Vaishnavs. Because as, you know, one of my pet peeves is that there's the teaching of bhakti, and then there's the preaching of bhakti. So they say things in such a way, oh, you're not God, you're a particle, but you're not God. Yeah, but we are divine. What do we, matter? We are divine. And uh, we're a spark of consciousness. And consciousness, again, this elusive substance reality that we, we cannot quite put our finger on, is um, well, um, has a personhood. Like, like I always say, consciousness is equally as impersonal as personal at the same time. So uh, better wrap your mind around that. It's just the way it is. Um, but it can display this personhood. So um, it kind of bugs me when they say, oh, the Brahma Jyoti is, is just the effulgence of Krishna's body. Yeah, okay, that's one way of uh, conceptualizing and philosophizing. But the Bhagavatam says clearly, Vadanti Brahmeti at the same time, it, again, what changes? What is the needle? Well, the consciousness of the observer. Keep in mind this is philosophy. We are discussing the absolute reality, the absolute truth. But through the filter of words and human intellect, which, you know, we don't all know the same words. We don't all understand the same words. We don't all have the same intellectual capacity. So we do our best. But if and when some, you know, pearl of knowledge, drop of knowledge is given to us through scriptures, then that's what that is. At this, it is as personal as it is impersonal at the same time. So as... Um, units of consciousness, uh, atoms of consciousness, we have individuality, we have personhood, we feel that I am unique, and you'd be right. But you also 
part of God, one with God, and different at the same time, which is the core uh, of our philosophy, achinta bheda bheda tattva. And as I always uh, specify, it's not that we are God. God is us. Consciousness is expressing it itself in a fractal way. In, I don't want to say smaller, let's say smaller, smaller and smaller, or more and more nuanced way. Um, even through the conditioned state, to experience it all. That's what consciousness does, experience it. What? Experience being killed by a serial killer? Yes. Experience being born in, in a war zone and, and, and losing your parents. Yes, everything, every possible experience. Sweet, sorrow, uh, what you say, bitter. Because it's a game, it's all a lila from that point of view. Think of the video game. I always make the same example. I'm sorry, but you know, uh, if you're a gamer, you'd be like, oh, they shot me. Oh, they killed me. And then you get another life, like Pac Man or whatever games are around now. Oh, uh, I'm out of ammunition. No, no, you're not. The mother is there cooking dinner and thinking, what, what is he talking about? He's just sitting at the computer. None of that is happening. So, and with the same feeling and, um, ah, how would you say, you know, this gamer is really feeling that he got shot and whatever repercussions it has in that virtual reality. But he's enjoying it. It's the experience of the game. Next time around, he'll come, he'll log right back in and play with other players in this virtual world. It's precisely what's going on with the soul and the material world. So it's hard for people to understand. Really? Famine, war, disgrace of all sorts, so much sorrow, so much ugliness. Yes, and so much beauty and so much joy and so much uh, of everything. It's all the same. You know, good and bad, the, 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 the duality of the world. We just need to see the world through God's eyes. So we are fractals of consciousness and we are um, persons. So passiveness, yes, meditation. So that's what the exhortation of the Vedas is about. Not to be passive and do nothing, but do things from the right terrain, from the right uh, worldview and, uh, you know, properly situated. So if you're in meditation, you realize you're not the body, at least for that 20 minutes, you don't feel your body anymore. You still your mind and you're still existing. And so... Uh, creativity comes about and, and you're in touch with your divine side because you become a creator of your little world but like I said it's all fractal God is the creator and we are the creator of, of our little tiny minute limited reality yes and um, <laughs> I remember a meme by um, my godbrother, Gorunarayan, who years ago when memes were new, he created, he, he, he was in the habit of creating a few devotional ones. 
And um, there was one with a, a funny face, like a girl with uh, pigtails, I think, that was the character of many memes with like big eyes. And the text said, I love chanting Japa because I get so many great ideas. It's not the point of chanting Japa, but that's precisely what happens. So many good ideas or just ideas and realizations just pop up as you chant Japa. And chanting Japa is probably the best expression of this passiveness that uh, the Bhagavatam is advocating. Because you sit there, you don't even pray to God. Yes, Prabhupada says, and many people say, that you need to cry like a baby for milk. You need to really petition God. But in actuality, you're not even offering yourself. Like, you know, my Guru Maharaj always makes the point that in the Gayatri Mantras, there is a submission. I offer myself. I meditate on this. There is no I in Japa, in, in uh, in Mahamanta Japa, it's all uh, vocative. Hare, Krishna, Rama. Just, okay, yeah, Hare means oh, Hari or oh, Hara. Uh, so I guess it is a petition. But really, you're just repeating the name of God. A petition to stretch it. It's an invocation. You're, you're not really asking anything. You could feel like you're asking. There's nothing wrong with it. But you're really just repeating the names of God and your consciousness takes that shape. And uh, that's what the gopis do, right? At some point, they just totally lose. At some point, that's their <laughs> natural mojo. They're just forgetful of their reality, of the, of the consequence of their behavior. They don't even think, I want to be with Krishna. They just think, Krishna, Krishna, Krishna. What gives him pleasure? Krishna just... So there is this uh, Leela where they just uh, go mad. I think in separation after Krishna's left, right after Krishna's left. I don't remember exactly, but they just uh, lose their mind. They're like, look at me. I'm Krishna on Kaliya. And they're just holding a, a vine. Look at me. I'm whatever. I'm, I'm whatever. Krishna in many, they're convinced they're Krishna. They're, they don't think I am Krishna. They just think Krishna, Krishna, Krishna. And so they get catapulted, well, nowhere, because they're already there. <laughs> but um, it's, it shows how our consciousness takes the shape of that reality. Like I said, with the example of the TV, you need to look at the same channel, <laughs> the same Netflix shows that Krishna watches. That's what we're asked to do. That's the teaching all throughout. No matter which way you shape it, no matter what words you use. And um, so that is a very good expression, an example of this passiveness. Just sit there, forget yourself, forget your body, forget your needs. Don't even offer yourself to God. Don't even ask God for anything. You just repeat the name of God and let go and let God. That is pretty much the, oh, good. I guess it's a good way to, to conclude. I had a few things to say. Mm. But um, let me think. So, uh, yeah, I mean, and that's how you, that's how we're told that we're going to uh, um, 
experience divinity, whether we experience that we are part and parcel of, of God or we experience God um, from a Veda point of view, which is the sweeter one, kind of like, you know, the cowherd boys all think that they're just the same as Krishna, and they are. And yet they perceive Krishna, so they're separate and, 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 and one in feeling, in experience, at the same time, same teaching as always. So, um, what was I saying? So whether you, whether you realize your divine nature through the, in the very least, that you are, wow, I'm not the body, I'm not the mind, you start feeling, usually comes in waves. There's a, there's a, a, uh, a book called Bhavataranga Rangini. Bhavataranga means, wa means wave, waves of emotion. I was lucky enough to experience it only once. But yeah, I did feel like this. <laughs> You're like, I cannot, I cannot contain this. What's going on? You feel like a thimble, a thimble trying to get, not even the ocean, the ocean, which is going to be the next guru, a wave trying to feel a thimble. Forget it. So, so pretty quickly, once you realize your divine nature, then you move on to the complex, to the mm, totality of uh, divinity, which is Krishna, which is condensed in Krishna. Because Krishna is both omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient, and yet he decides to be the son of Yashoda, the lover of Radha, and uh, the friend of Subal. But, um, oh well, it's nothing. Four minutes. Let's see, maybe I should go random. Nothing that I can say in an organic way. I was making a point about breathing. Yeah, passiveness. When I was um, learning how to drive, at some point I realized, whether it was through the manual or through the lessons, that, wait a minute, I'm learning how not to drive, when not to drive, when to slow down, when to stop. That's what I was like. I'm not learning how to drive here. Everybody can drive. Press, turn a key, press on the accelerator, and go against the first wall. Everybody knows how to drive. What you need to learn is when to stop, slow down, slow down before a curve, slow down when whatever, somebody's passing you, not slow down, but you know, don't, don't speed up. Um, so much controlling, so much, um, what's the verb? Coercing, I think. I think I'm saying it right. And um, so that's what, in a way, what's meant by passiveness. If that's what you think acting is, then be passive. Don't, don't act and uh, let your karma burn out. Of course, you got to cultivate spiritual knowledge. That's why I keep saying a saintly person, because a materialist would be lost. You'd be like, why even do it? What's the purple of, pur purpose of living? Um, so breathing, it, it's really more about uh, with, uh, holding your breath than breathing. Breathing in is all about like, I need oxygen to maintain my body, the whole mm, acquiring mentality that is precisely what we're asked to do. And pranayama, when you're expert, it's all about not breathing with your lungs full, with your lungs um, empty, 
or breathe in as little as possible, because in the Vedas there's this um, concept that at birth a body is assigned a certain amount of um, um, of uh, breaths. So um, it's not heartbeats, it's not years uh, or, or or minutes. It's uh, it's breath. So the yogi. Uh, smartly thinks well then the slower i breathe the slower the, the longer i'll live and i'll take advantage of this one birth and um but also because of the realizations that come with that so stop breathing breathe, breathe as little as possible and uh so many teachings i wanted to say more about breathing but like one one minute away um i remember in my little series of lectures on pranayama was saying that it's interesting that we're all about breathing in like material life starts with the inhalation and ends with an exhalation whereas the whole of material uh, the material expanse is an outbreath of Mahavishnu it's like discarded <laughs> carbon dioxide it's like the aftermath he breathes in his own fullness and then breathes out and material universes come out. And as he breathes out, we breathe in. Our material life starts with the breath in and corresponds with the breath out breath of Mahavishnu. Like the Gita says, what is, uh, you know, the banyan tree, upside down banyan tree. What's day for the spiritualist is a night for the materialist. What's night for the spiritualist is day for the materialist, etc. So, passiveness is um, when you meditate, you realize, you know, you're tapping from the divine, but not by breathing in, but by, you know, through meditation, that's when you're really connecting. Um, with uh, say with God with the divine because when you breathe in his ex exhalation kind of like in the Bible right the Bible says that God breathed life into Adam made of who was made of dirt until that point well it could be seen in so many ways but anyway um, kind of lost my train of thought so we take in, breathe in, what is the aftermath, the, the passive um, expression of God's life. Because, you know, uh, breathing out is passive. Bre when you breathe, the uh, exertion is done on the diaphragm to expand, uh, contract, and suck in air. But breathing, you just stop contracting. and it, That's why when you die, you... You breathe your last because basically the life leaves your body and then naturally the die, all the muscles let go and you breathe out. So that's what God does. And for us, it's like the beginning of what we think is life. Whereas through meditation, we really tap from the real current of what is really life and living and worth cultivating. So anyway, that's the best I could do at living for one hour because of the reasons I told you. And um, it's like improv comedy. <laughs> but um, 
I did my best. And um, next time we'll be talking about the ocean and uh, we'll see how the ocean is our guru. Let's see, let me see if there are any questions. Comments are not supported on private videos. Whoops. Have I done the wrong? Who am I logged in as? Weird. Okay, well, there are no comments. Oh, I should have put it on public. What a shame. Oh, well. And there are no comments, I don't think, on Zoom. So I'm going to end here thanking whoever participated or will participate and, uh, and uh, you know, take part in this uh, disquisition. And uh, thanking you for your patience and for this chance to engage in these thoughts. Jai.